There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for another week, another exciting guest. We've got Andrew Thornton today. I'm going to introduce him to you shortly. Um, before I do that, um, I just want to, you know, hope I hope everything's going well for you, wherever you, you are listening in the world. It's always a pleasure to do the show. And, uh, you know, as I'm excited about today, because um, I really do and you'll know if you listen to the show, believe that um, heart in business is really important and that we, as business people, we have a responsibility, a duty to leave the world in a slightly better place through the way that we do business. And I hope this show today uh, will encourage you to do that and give you some more ideas and thoughts as to how you can you know, make a contribution uh, through your thinking, through your entrepreneurialism, through your business. Before I introduce you to Andrew, though, I want to say a thank you to my guest, Kath Bishop. Uh, Kath, last week, so was on the show, and we talked about her amazing book, The Long Win. Now, Kath uh, won um, world championships in rowing, was a silver Olympic medalist, uh, and also a, a foreign diplomat, worked in places like Iraq and uh, Bosnia, and I mean, had some amazing experiences and really wanted to question uh, winning and you know, is winning all about coming first I mean Kath experienced uh, coming second in the Olympics and the media you know talked about that as being you know failure and the reality is that uh, we wouldn't have the long win and her insights if um, she'd actually come first I don't think um, so we learn more often on the way down and uh, failure isn't winning in you know uh, sorry failure isn't losing or coming second often we learn more uh, through these experiences so do have a listen to that interview and it is an amazing book it's uh, been a time sort of number 10 within the top 10 bestsellers so have a look at that so to my guest today we're going to talk about putting the heart back into business it's i'm with andrew thornton and you know i'm really uh, love the conversation we're going to have i've read andrew's book it's called putting heart back into business which he wrote with adora pascal um and you know, it's it's completely on brand with this um, with this uh, show. Uh, Andrew is an entrepreneur. He's a speaker, an author, an advisor, and a coach to business leaders. And he really does um, take to heart that businesses can be a force for good in society. And he's proved that. Um, he's he's proved that through his award-winning uh, London supermarket um, market, Thornton's Budgeons. He's also like myself, an ex-Mars guy. Um, he's worked with. Uh, Ogilvy and Mather and ran one of their businesses. And I think all of that experience has made him realize that it's just so important to bring heart into business and to be an authentic leader. Uh, and it's and if you look after your people, you look after the planet, you build trust, then profit will follow. So as I say, we're going to talk about putting the heart back into business and how to place people, planets and purpose at the core of what you do. So a big welcome to Andrew Thornton. Hello, Chris. Nice to see you again. 
Yeah, nice well, I to can't see, see you actually because yeah. we're on Zoom here. <laughs> <laughs> we can see each other, but other people yeah. can't see us. But it is. Um, <laughs> I have to take a photo and put it on social media, the Zoom. Yeah. Um, but yes, nice to uh, nice to see you, Andrew. Tell us, you know, what part of the world are you from, and where do you hold originally? Uh, I'm from Dublin originally. Um, I'm actually sitting in a in a cabin at the the end of my garden in my flat in Highgate, in North London, uh, and live most a large part of the time in southern Germany. So I consider myself a truly international sort of person. Yeah. I have lived in the States. I lived in Holland. I lived in Wales. Um, and I've worked in a lot of different parts of the world. So it's, uh, yeah, I do feel I'm a bit of an international sort of citizen. And how, how, does, how does southern Germany compare to other places you've, uh, you've been based? It's very beautiful. Um, it's quiet. Uh, I'm a big skier, so I'm surrounded by mountains. And I love that bit of it. Um, and it's really challenging learning German because <laughs> I'm, I'm in my late 50s and I, I have been monolingual for all of that time, other than a bit of school French and appalling Irish, even though we all learn Irish in school. Um, I could barely get more than five words together. So, yeah, I'm doing OK with my German. I can I can go to bars and restaurants and the market and things and so on. But as soon as somebody fires me an awkward, difficult question, then it's like, oh my God, I've no idea what they're talking about. It does, it does help if you, I, I'm one who struggles with language as well. I always, always found it hard and my kids as well to seem naturally uh, struggle with it too. And it's like the worst thing, double French dad, it's going to be terrible today. Um, but it does help when you spend time in the country, doesn't it? When oh yeah. You, you know, yeah. you can't do it when you're not. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And, and, and I live with two linguists. You know, my partner is, is trilingual. Um, my, her daughter, my stepdaughter is bilingual. So I'm a bit of the odd one out in that respect. And it's, it's, it's kind of learning when you're young, I think, as well. But so, uh, and being in the country is critical, yeah, because when I was living with them before and they spoke German a lot, before we actually lived in Germany, then it was all a bit sort of academic. Really. But the moment of living there is like, well, I'm not willing to live in a country and not actually have at least some attempt to speak the language. So. Yeah, well, well done. Well, tell us a little bit about, tell a bit about you and how you came to do what you do today. <clears throat> well, I've spent my whole working life working in business. Um, pretty much most of it in or around retail in some form or other, starting at the age of 13 in my local corner shop in, in Dublin uh, as a sort of part-time person cleaning out the, the, the storeroom and so on and end up while I was still at uh, college running the place part-time when the guy was on holiday and weekends and stuff like that. As you said, I joined Mars, um, which was fantastic, really amazing place to, to, to be. Um, brief stint at Ogilvy because I was headhunted into there. Ended up setting up my own consultancy business um, in retail called SRCG, which she had a fantastic um 18 years, I think it was. And then I had a midlife crisis in my mid-40s where I was sitting, you know, in my garden, I had a, a little cottage down in Sussex by the sea, as well as a flat in the centre of London and felt very, in some respects, incredibly privileged, incredibly sort of, um, yeah, privileged, I thought. But I also felt this sense of emptiness. Like, is this it? Am I really going to do this for the next 25, 30 years? Um and that set me on a path which led to selling out the consultancy to my partners, buying a couple of supermarkets, which kind of is not your necessarily your typical response to a midlife crisis. Mm. Um, 
partway through, so for, I owned Thornton's Budgeons for 15 years. Um, about halfway through that, lost one of the stores to competition in that the UK grocery trade is very ruthless. And we had a Tesco next door to us and a Marks and Spencers, two big brands for those international um, listeners. And then a, th a third big brand Waitrose opened beside the Tesco. And it was just yeah, too many, too many grocers in one parade. Mm. Um, but that in its own right was one of the best things that happened to me because that forced me to think, well, what is this all about? Why did I buy these shops? And I spent some time in India. I took a sabbatical at the end. I spent some time in India. And it became very clear to me. In fact, the day before I left for India, that what it was all about was heart. That's what I was seeking. So the second half of Thornton's Budgeons was, okay, so what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, I met my co-author, Eudora, around that time. So we, we said, well, let's use Thornton's Budgeons as a laboratory to see what a heartful business might look like. So what would we have to do? What can we try? And was a lot of trial and error. We did this and it was great. People loved it and hearts open. We did this and uh, that wasn't so good. Uh, we started to learn different ways of being. And yeah, what I realized during that time, I guess starting in India, was that, that my life's purpose is all about putting the heart back into business. Um, and that, so like everything I have done in my working career has prepared me for where I am today. And so a year ago, I sold the business mostly because I had recognized that if I was going to live my purpose, then, and really help share this message across the world as much as possible, I was never going to get it done when I still own Thornton's Budgets because retail is all consuming it's it's addictive it's time consuming um and it was almost my number one priority and you know we'd started heart and business about five years ago and we had some really interesting clients paul hargreaves who we've had on the show yeah, at console really, fair was cool. one of the first people who really embraced what we did mm. um but there was a point where actually if i'm really going to if i'm going to we're going to write this book and we're really going to start to live this and share this then i have to sell Thornton's Budgeons. So this is my job now. You know, I'm, I'm, my, 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 my purpose, I describe on my business card, I'm a visionary heart surgeon. And uh, some people find that a bit sort of strange, but I don't really care. I mean, ultimately, my view is that the, the heart in most businesses is, is clogged. The arteries are clogged. And therefore, it needs heart surgery. And that's kind of what we, me and my colleagues do. I like, I like that. Uh... You know, that link there because um, with, with, with the heart, because um, you know, we're talking kind of well being, but you're right, and the arteries are clogged in the business. You've not got good well being in the business, have you? When you're uh, in an yep. individual, uh, yep. you know, their well being's not good, and health is health is everything, really. Yes, uh, yeah, and health and 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 life. And in the book, uh, Eudora interviews a number of my former colleagues at the supermarket. And some of their interviews, I've been told that it's the highlight of the book. Um, and at our book, various book launches we had, they were there and they were the stars of the show. And the thing that most people have observed, and I guess I took it for granted, was that in all their stories, they talk about how it's impacted their whole life, not just their working life. So, you know, uh, Jaheed got a good laugh when he said, um, you know, my wife appreciates how patient and calm I am now. Um, uh, somebody else talked about not being angry. Marco talked about not being angry. And, and 
you know, has had an extraordinary health transformation. Um, you know, he's lost more than half as the weight he was. You know, he was he was seriously overweight, and the whole process made him realise that he's going to have to change something. And then Kate talks about how she's manages she's a single mom, how she manages her two daughters differently. So that, yeah. to me, shows the impact of this approach. And it, if you create that and you do this with people, they're not going to go rushing off trying to work for someone else if someone offers them a few thousand more. And this is one of the big challenges everybody has at the moment is recruitment and retention. Um, so, you know, we didn't set out to do this to increase our levels of retention. But when I sold the store, our average our average length of service was eight and a half years. And that's a supermarket in central London where most people, if they got a year, would be pretty happy. with. And even more so of the senior people, we call them the self-leadership team, it was 15 years. So all of them, except one, predated me. So they were all there when I bought the business, pretty much. And they were all there when I let, sold the business. And that's quite something, really, yeah. in, in, certainly in, in, this, in, the, in the supermarket industry. I think it you know, demonstrates the, the importance there of having a having a great culture and a heart-led culture because um, you know great cultures do have great loyalty. They also have great productivity, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, and uh, yeah. people are energized and uh, and kind of in their in their flow. And you tend to get more creative yes. people when they can be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, all of the above, yeah. and it's it's. I mean, it, uh, Heart and Business is a B Corp. Um, and I'm very much with the whole B Corp thing. If you take care of your employees, your customers, your community, your suppliers, and the environment, then the shareholders' return will take care of itself. Yeah. You don't actually, whereas if you focus on the shareholder return, i.e. the profit, at the expense of everything else, then that's not necessarily going to end well. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, that's where we have the climate crisis, because you know, for many businesses, the, the, the planet doesn't have a cost associated with it because planetary resources, you know, are often either free or on, on, on underpriced for various reasons. And, you know, if, if, if businesses were more focused on that, then we wouldn't be where we are now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You, you mentioned that uh, Paul Hargreaves. I do want to say thank you to Paul for in, introducing us uh, hmm. because I, I, yeah, I love interviewing Paul as well. He's, we talked about his book last uh, fourth bottom line and uh, you know he really gets this too doesn't he and i mm. and I, th- I think what's interesting you know talking to paul um your ex- your experience and uh and mine too i just want to mention to people if people are listening to this and they're thinking actually i'm going through a dip right now i'm going through this period of time where i'm thinking you know what's what's next and uh I, I actually they're really good um kind of trigger points aren't they mm. yeah uh, and they're often those points where, where it almost feels like we're destined to go into some inner deep thought and reflection about who we are and what we're going to do next and how we're going to contribute. Um, so I'm just interesting hearing that period back for you when you went through that you described as a midlife crisis. Mm. Seems to happen. You know, people seem to get a little one at 28 to 32. We often get one at 38 to 42. Uh, mine was in that. Mine were in those gaps as well. Mm. But, really important times to to learn <clears throat> and can, they can set you up for the future like they did for you yeah and i think the the 
one of the things that I have certainly, as I've learned more, the importance of appreciation and being able to be really aware that everything, there's, there's gold in everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I was diagnosed with a thing called adrenal fatigue, which is like a burnout two years ago. And that was contributing to, to me selling the supermarket, amongst other things. And it's contributed to me having to slow down and be more mindful and more present. You know, I can, you know, the stacks of I went through a, you know, a pretty painful divorce. Um, in all, and, I, and what I, I, I really aim to do in life now is when, I, when something, when things are going, are tough and hard, is to try and, okay, so there's some gold in this. So just be, try and be with it, be with the pain, be with the discomfort. And what's that? What's the universe saying to you? What is it that I need to learn and do differently so that uh, I can kind of grow if you want? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we um, we shift upwards when we feel like we're falling down sometimes, don't we? We uh, Yeah. Yeah, there's a gift in it, silver lining in it. Well, great. We're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, you know, I want to talk about some of the you know key lessons in, and learnings from um, your experiences around organizations and cultures and leadership and you know there's a few remarkable stories that you know industry leading um, ideas and concepts that you develop at uh, Thornton's Budgeons which really you really impacted even though your stores you know and the significance of Tesco for example and Waitrose you know you you punched above your weight and you made a made a real impact so um, we'll talk about that um, in the next section and uh, towards the interview. Be back with you again in a couple of minutes. Do uh, do join us. Obviously, sometimes helpful to have a pen and paper at hand to, to write down the golden nuggets from uh, these interviews. So uh, please do that. Back again with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andrew Thornton, and we're talking about putting the heart uh, back into business. And I mentioned just uh, as I was finishing the last segment uh, that uh, Andrew had done some quite remarkable things at Thornton uh, Budgeons, Thornton's Budgeons. And I just thought you might want to share those. You know, what are you most proud of? Probably what we did with plastic. Um, yeah. So our, so I, I really believe that that businesses need to have a meaningful purpose. I think that is the one of the the keys to to a heartful business, but also a successful business. So Thornton's Budgeons, our purpose for was we were the we are the community supermarket that really cares about people and planet. And we had that purpose for quite a long time. Um, That sat on its own for a number of years, but then below it, we developed a manifesto, which was a detailed, it was one page, but it said, this is our purpose. This is why we have our purpose. Um, These are our heart sets, which people might call values. These are the habits that we're going to, to, to use to make sure we deliver all this and at the bottom, this is what the customer gets for all this. Yeah. Um, and in 2018, the, um, when David Attenborough's Blue Planet 2 series came out and you know, made a huge impact right across the world, we, we had seen an organization called Ecoplaza in the Netherlands introduce the first plastic-free aisle. Um, we thought, I mean, I must say, when I first saw that, I thought, shit, why didn't we... Why didn't we think of doing that? That's such a great idea. Um, But we tracked down a plastic planet whom are a social enterprise whose purpose is to help turn the plastic tap off. And they accept, they always start discussions with, I am a recovering plastic addict, which I think is wonderful. (laughs) Uh, Sean and and, and Fred who run it are amazing people. Um, And because of everything we had done, and we had a farm on the, the roof of the Crouch End store at one point, which was we grew fruit and veg there and we sold it in the community. And volunteers from the community came and helped plant and grow it. And all the profits went, you know, back up to the garden. And we were the first UK supermarket to stop giving away free carrier bags. And that was back in 2006 or something. So, um, so Sean and, and our, our colleagues took us seriously when we met them and we said that we want to we wanna do this here but we also want to take it to the next level because actually customers, they don't, you can't, they shop by category. They don't shop by aisle and having all the plastic free stuff in one place doesn't necessarily. So we, we, we committed to launching 1500 plastic free lines in zones across the store. And the idea was that you could have, Chris, if you and your family wanted to come and do a shop in Thornton's budgets and you didn't want to consume any plastic, you could do a full weekly shop in our store. Then you might have to, you know, you might have to, be a slightly compromise you might not get the exact cheese you wanted but you could certainly get cheese um and we did all that in 10 weeks it's quite extraordinary um we on the 1st of september 2018 we're going to do this and we're going to launch it and i thought we'd launch it on guy fox which is a sort of is a is a is a big day here in the uk and we end up launching on the 8th of november uh and we launched 1800 products not 1500 um and we did it for we did it for our customers so they could use less plastic. We did it for ourselves so that we were responsible for less plastic. But mostly we did it to show the big guys 
that it wasn't as hard as they thought it was or that they let on it was. Um, and that's particularly what engaged a, a plastic planet. And they were amazing. I said, we need one of your people full time in our store for the next four months because running a supermarket business is a very busy business. There isn't much spare time to be blue sky creative stuff. Um, and Frankie, their person was fantastic. She was very tenacious. She was, you know, she didn't, you know, she was like a dog with a bone in a positive sort of strength. Um, and yeah, on the 8th of November, we launched this. And it was really interesting because we didn't say anything to customers. We just were working in the background. And the two days before we started to put up the point of sale material, the announcements, the, and so on. And immediately customers started saying, that's what's going on. Ah, but we're noticing, you know, your bread isn't in plastic anymore and, and your cheese isn't in plastic anymore. And they had noticed, the more astute customers had noticed something was happening. Um, and the response was absolutely phenomenal. So our loyalty went, you know, we already had very loyal customers. It went even deeper than that. From a pure bottom line point of view, our total store sales went up by 6% initially and then 4% after that. Now, in food retailing, you know, you don't get, in, in bricks and mortar food, you do not get 4% sales growth. People spend millions on refitting stores and they don't get an uplift of sales of 4%. Um, and that happened because customers, a mixture of existing customers saying, we love what you're doing. We're going to buy more here because we really, we want to reward people who we like uh, and are doing the right thing and new customers coming from quite far afield in many instances. Um, the, one of the most touching things you said about what, what, what I was proud of is on the day of the launch, we had um, two local customers, Jim Broadbent, Aka Horace mm. Slughorn from Harry Potter, and Dame Janet Sussman, who's an extraordinary Shakespearean actor, actress, uh, do the launch. And I, three of my colleagues on that day said to me, or the day after, that was the proudest day of their working lives. And that really, like, wow, that's quite something. Wow. Um, yeah. And subsequently, and thanks to an organization called Higginson, who was the, the, the APP PR agency, we got global coverage. I mean, beyond my wildest dreams, we got coverage. We were on the TV, we were on the news all around the world. And as a result, everybody came to see us. I mean, every single, not just every single grocer in the UK um, and every single supplier in the grocery industry. And it was funny, you could just see you know, men in suits would come in and and, and and we would go over and warm in. Hello, hello, hi. Oh, yes, we're from Tesco. We're from Sainsbury's. Come on <laughs> in. And and our strategy, most like our strategy was please copy us. Please, yeah. whatever you want, open book. You want to know where we got that packaging from? Yeah, we, we created a resource document. Please copy us. And we had people from Canada and, and Australia and the Middle East. And subsequently, at least three CEOs of food businesses in different parts of the world said that we had transformed the global relationship between the supermarket industry and plastic. Wow. Um, and that's quite something. And I don't say that to be arrogant or boastful, but I do say it to say that if you have a heartful business behind a purpose that people really care about, you can achieve extraordinary things. Yeah. Um, and you had the pride and you had what we achieved and you had the level of retention, which is, you know, is is a massive cost saving because recruitment and training uh, and having people who don't know what they're doing is an enormous cost to business. Um, and then the fourth thing is we were actually making a difference in the world, which it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a virtuous circle, you know, and people 
talked about being really proud of working there because of, you know, Reginald in the book talks about, we did some stuff with the Sri Lankan community because we have a huge amount of Sri Lankans working in the store. And he was really proud in his own community. And when you create that, then you create what people used to call the family at Thornton's Budgets, the Thornton's Budgets family. So that's probably my, you know, I slipped in a couple of other ones, but that's the one thing where I feel we made a huge difference in the world and I'm proud of stuff. And I think what I, I like in this that story, it's an amazing story and it's, it's, it's made a difference in the world. I just like the, the attitude of please copy us, please come in and look yeah. at it. We'll share everything yeah. with you. Um, yeah. Because cause that, what it shows is, you know, your, your desire to contribute to a better world is greater than a desire of trying to keep a competitive advantage to yourself. And I also think about that whole thing about competitive advantage is you always have first mover advantage. So by the time, you know, and, and, and sadly COVID came along just at, an, at a bad time, which gave people a real excuse to sort of set the plastic agenda backwards. But even if everybody did copy us, we were always going to be five or six steps ahead of everybody else. So I've never been worried about being copied in business because yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me in the least because you're, you're, if you're on, the, if you lose it, if you lose momentum, you lose your purpose, then that's an issue. But if you're on on track, on purpose, then you'll always be onto the next thing by the time your competitors have copied you. Well, I think it's, I think it's, um, it, it's old-fashioned and narrow-minded not to, and, and that yes. old-fashioned, narrow-minded, um, selfish attitude has got us to where we are now, and to a certain yes. extent, and. It's yeah. you know, the new, a new way of thinking, the way of thinking going forward has to be to collaborate for the better. And, you know, my, I know when we get our, our food deliveries to our, our home and we do, we do have people deliver us to us living in the, in the country, but I don't know what the ethics of that are, but, um, you know, my kids, you know, and, and us, we, we look and comment on the packaging and, and, it, and we feel angry when we get too much of it. And we yep. think, well, you know, is there something else we can order that's less, got less packaging? Yep. Um, so I think what you did there, I can see why you got the sales uplift that you did. Um, so yeah, brilliant. I also love the idea. Why aren't we seeing more people growing um, produce on their roofs? Yes, it's 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 very big in New York. Um, New York has a you know above a lot of the, you'd be amazed above a lot of on the top of a lot of the high buildings in New York have have gardens where they they grow stuff. Yeah. Um, it was very prominent in Cuba at one point, because when Cuba was really cut off from the rest of the world, they really had to be more self-sufficient. So they got used to growing stuff in all sorts of extraordinary balconies and little tiny spaces and so on. But it's great. I mean, what, I mean, this, this is a piece of roof, 3000 square meters, sorry, three, 300 square meters, 3000 square feet of space that was completely empty. Yeah. And then we put a garden on it and it was life. And there were, you know, we had bats and we had bees and we had birds. And, you know, subsequently after selling the store and, 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 and the new owners closing it, then it was back to just being sort of a bit of, you know, sort of whatever you put on the top felt. No, no yeah. life. What a shame. What a shame. Mm. Because so you're right. We can, uh, we could use all of those, um, those sites which are, are covering Covering land space that could have crops and gardens, we could use those yep. in a better, a much better way. Um, bring life back to the world. Um, yes, I love that. So, what, in your opinion, is um, is a leader who is, you know, operating really for a place of great authenticity? 
how would you what are the characteristics of a a leader do you think that you would uh, you would endorse through your work well funny you should say that in the book we have the 10 principles of the authentic leader which you've probably read yeah it prompted your question yeah um, i'm not going to go through all 10 of them but so i'm just going to randomly talk about them vulnerability yeah. vulnerability is a huge one the the ability to be vulnerable and 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 uh to be in an environment where where somebody's willing to share emotion and shed a tear and cry is really quite something um and and paul Pargreaves talks about in fact he talks in our book about this about him shedding a tear in front of his colleagues gave them permission to do the same so i think vulnerability is massively underrated as a leadership quality and it's the exact opposite of the alpha male donald trump like sort of leader um so i think that and if you combine that with humility yeah. again the opposite of the alpha male and 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 one of my i think one of the most one of the people i found to be really humble is barack obama and he yeah. the, there was a wonderful the bbc did a wonderful tv series they followed him around in the last year and he kept talking about things like, you know, I really wish if I had my time again, I would have done that differently. And I really, we, we just didn't get, en- we didn't get enough done on that because I didn't do that. And it's like, wow, that's just so humble. So that's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciation. Um, I talked about appreciation a bit earlier. The whole thing of appreciating people is one of the simplest, easiest things you can do um every single day to extraordinary effect mm-hmm. and and how how that looks we talk about descriptive praise it means going looking for things going right and stating it in detail yeah. so like i would say to you chris i'm really you know i really appreciate the fact that for this interview you read my book in its entirety you sent me a really detailed like structure so that you'd obviously thought through how you're going to run the interview and then you said well we we'll probably throw it in the bin when we get going and I just appreciate your um, how well you listen. So that's a bit of appreciation, okay. a descriptive praise. And, and I do that. I try to do that. In the store, we used, I used to wander around the store. I'd go on a, a walk around the store looking for things going right. And all I want to do, if I saw something that wasn't right, I wouldn't say anything. I'd hold it for another time. Yeah. Because in so much of life, in your typical appraisal, um, it's all about, you make a five minutes of what's going well, and then let's talk about your development needs, Chris. Um, it's totally the wrong way around. Yeah. So, and there's a, there's a bit of research I read years ago that said for every negative thing someone says about you, you need to have five positive things said by that person to yeah. bring you back to a neutral balance with that person. Yes. So yes. that's another one. I could keep on going on. Let me let me tell tell you one more. Um, be well, two more actually. Be your purpose. So I think having a personal purpose in life is really critical. You know why you're doing it. You're not just rocking up to work because it pays the mortgage and you need to do it to feed the kids and, or you need to do it till you retire and blah, 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 blah. And then the last one you talk, touched on that is being in flow. Um, you know, before we were chatting before, we were talking about Ikigai, which is this great Japanese concept about being really um, fulfilled in life. And it's, it's four concentric circles. In the middle, you have the overlap. Which is, and the four circles are doing what you love doing, doing what you're good at doing, 
doing something that the world needs and doing something that you can be paid for. And if you take two of those dimensions, what you love doing and what you're good at, and you put it into a two by two matrix, you can run, and we did this in the supermarket, we get everybody to do all of this, and then we want everybody to spend their time in the top right-hand corner, only doing things they love doing and are good at. And what we started to do then was we traded responsibilities. So, you know, there's things like, I used to, you know, there's certain things I hated doing, I hated going to the stock meeting. Um, I was boring and it was, I was disruptive. And so it was agreed that there was no point. So someone else took care of managing the stock meeting um, and so on. You can talk, um, you know, there's all sorts of ways. It's a really simple exercise you can do. You can do it at home. It's safe to try it at home. Um, and if you work as a group of people, then you start trading things. There's no point in forcing um, people who aren't good at doing something to continuously every year in your view well no chris we need to talk about your your poor admin again for the 25th appraisal in a row forget about it get someone else to do your admin for you reorganize um you know you're really good at listening you're really good with people so you know as your line manager i want to focus you on doing that not trying to force you to do admin because you're no good at it yeah i always remember i I need to go to commercial break in a, in a minute, but I always remember doing working with a big bank and with one of their senior guys, and he had it had some three sixty degree feedback, and it was all telling him to be different things. And basically, because I utilised system around kind of flow, I could see mm. see precisely basically what was coming back was everybody was saying you need to be more like me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guy, you know, it's to be more like everybody. He had to be everything. Yeah, you know. Nobody. Uh, nobody. And, you know, for him, that was really eye-opening when he realized that uh, he just needed to be himself, the best of himself, really. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, work with that. Um, uh, yeah, I completely get it to you. That was great. I really enjoyed that um, segment and, you know, your stories about the about the, the um, plastic and, and the roof and, uh, you know, some of your qualities, your know, appreciation. So important, isn't it? And that vulnerability and... Uh, you know, people are going to look up to you and uh, and want to follow you. And and I think, you know, as a leader, I, I, I get you when you talk about Barack Obama. You know, we need to be, when, as a leader, I think we have a duty to be a role model to others. Yes. We do. I think that's really important. So we'll go to commercial break. Uh, and after the break, we'll look at um, this in a, a little bit more, well, we'll look at culture, I think. Um, and then we'll also like to talk a little bit about source energy, because that was something mm. that... Um, you know, brought some brought some um, different perspective up for me that I'd not thoroughly really considered before. So we'll be back just in a couple of minutes after the break. Do join us. Any any questions, comments on this, please do feel to that you can drop me an email at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I do love to hear from people. Um, and I'm sure I can also put you in touch with Andrew if, uh, if appropriate. So I'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andrew Thornton. We're talking about putting the heart back into business and his um, some of the wisdom that's come from his great, great book and uh, and lessons through his life. And Andrew, we talked. Um, you talked a bit, a little bit about organisational purpose, and uh, and and I think in the book you actually do share your. Um, I forgot what you call it now. It's your. Um, you kind of your model where you identify purpose of the business and putting the heart into it and our manifesto your manifesto that's the word i'm looking for your yeah. manifesto <laughs> which is a great idea so how what are your thoughts around you know building really brilliant heart-centered organizational culture that is the key and the most difficult thing to do um so every business has a culture uh, and whether and um, in the book, I interviewed former CEOs of both Tesco and Sainsbury's, both big UK-based grocery businesses, um, who were broken, and they both went in. And the very first thing they did, because they were a lot more experienced and smarter than me, was to sort the culture out initially. Mm-hmm. So if I could do Thornton's budgets again, because I bought, so it was a. a a multiple business be, being turned into a franchise. So I bought existing budget shops um, that had people there um, that had a culture and they had a budget's general culture, but they, because the budget's general culture was a bit inconsistent and not very clear over time, each individual store who both had longstanding store managers had their own culture. Um, if I had my time again, I'd spend the first two years just working on the culture mm. um, because I would have, it would have got a lot further and did a lot more if we, we had done that rather than really, it was really only when we wrote the manifesto and then starting to write it all in the book that I kind of dawned on me. And I know somebody was at Peter Drucker, someone said, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast every day or some sort of level of these sort of isms. Um, 
But it is the, 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 it is the most fundamental thing because the culture and the reason we, we prepared the manifesto was to be really clear about what the culture we wanted and to have people in it. We had our purpose and that was fine, uh, but the purpose could be interpreted in many different ways and it wasn't detailed enough. And we had input from the team in developing the purpose, but in the, the manifesto, we made sure that lots of people had input in different sort of stages. Um, and that got buy-in, it got familiarity, and it got realism. Now, of course, if you, if you have an organization with 10,000 people, you can't get buy-in. You can't get everybody involved in the process. But you certainly, as both Dave and Justin did in, in Tesco and Sainsbury's, they certainly got, ran processes where they got buy-in to, to, the, to their, their manifesto. They didn't call it the manifesto, but what they were, they were trying to do. Um, and it's so fundamental. I mean, we talked, you and I both worked at Mars. I mean, Mars is an extraordinary culture um, based on the five principles of Mars, which were developed back in, I don't know, um, 50, 60, 70 more years ago. Um, and I, you know, we, we were joking before. We were, I still remember most of them. And the two that struck me most were freedom and mutuality. And I was... I became a manager at Mars, in Mars Speaker Zone 6, a very technical term, at the age of 22, I think, 22, 23, very young. Yeah, I had really. seven people working for me, all of whom were older than me. And one of them being really shocked, actually, asked me how old I was and realized that I was younger <laughs> than her. She was like, oh, wow, really? Um, and I had extraordinary freedom. You know, I always said, this is what you need. This is what we're aiming to do. Just go do it. And, and, and come ask, come get support. Um, and the mutuality thing, there wasn't this whole thing of politics and office politics and stabbing each other in the back. It didn't really happen there. And it's funny, I interviewed a, a, a lovely, wonderful lady who you will know called Aileen Richards in the book, who <laughs> ended up running the Mars people, the, uh, people and organization. They don't call it human resources, fantastic, because I hate human resources, because yeah. human resources says humans are a resource like cash and stock. Um, humans are not a resource, we're people. But a Alien said once, once a headhunter told her, so the only problem with Mars people is that they're sometimes a bit politically naive because they're not used to all this backstabbing and so on. Mm. So the culture in Mars open plan office, egalitarian, everybody clocking in, no director spots in the cast park, no director's dining rooms. Um, I remember not long when I started my consultancy going to a, a biscuit company in the north of England and observing a manager's toilet. It was a toilet that only managers could use. I thought, wow, gosh, that's weird. <laughs> um, but you know, it kind of wasn't then. So, so that's an example of a, of a culture that and Mars is a real can do yes we can do it culture so uh, I think I got that injection very early in life um they protected the brands really strongly as well they, the yes brand really really important they protected that at all costs yes. Um, yes and I think that for me the protection of your brand is something I took away from it um, well quality was one of the five principles five principles of Mars and that meant that you weren't gonna you know we produce shoddy products yeah. or say well actually you know things are a bit tough so if we take it do we take a bit of chocolate and maybe make the chocolate a bit thinner on it so that we save a bit of money you know mars wouldn't do that 
basically. They would find other ways to, to, to do things. So, and so for me, you have a, a, a purpose that's meaningful at the top. You have a culture that's empowering and you have people with open hearts and you can, you can blow the world away. And Patagonia is a great example of that. Mm. They, I am such a fan of Patagonia as an organization. Mm. And I had the, the privilege of spending some time with their, their now CEO who was running their European uh, division in Amsterdam uh, a few years back. And just the energy and the feel of the place. And, you know, he was just back from, from somewhere in, in, in Central Europe where they were campaigning to stop this river being dammed up because it was going to basically screw up the whole ecosystem. And it's like, that's just part of what they do. And, you know, it's not like, oh, well, yes, well, we do volunteering. And I was volunteering in whatever country it was. Let's just, let's, I don't know, somewhere in Central Europe. But it isn't like a thing we do. It's just, it's part of life at Patagonia. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's really powerful and it's, and, and, and it's extraordinary. And then you, what you can achieve with that is just, and you, you'll know, you'll have seen this. It just blows your mind away um, the, the, what you can achieve and be really successful. I mean, they're a very financially successful organization. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, profit's dirty and this is a charity and it's a social enterprise. No, it's a proper business that makes proper profits, but, but makes a difference. And the reason they've got so many loyal customers is because people love their Patagonia stuff yeah. because they know I feel proud to be supporting Patagonia. Um, you know, when I wear something from Patagonia, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's energy, it, it feels, it? yeah, it is. It's exactly, it is energy spot on. It's energy. You feel, you feel that affinity, that connection. Yeah. I, I just going back to the, to the Mars, I work for uh, my, my kind of latter roles with them. I moved from sales and training and marketing into procurement because I wanted to understand what that was about. But it was not called procurement. It was called supplier development. Yes. And I, and I love that. Having, I went on and ran procurement divisions and functions for a, for a little for a few years of my career afterwards. And you know, when I was at Mars, I didn't have a target, a cost-based reduction target to take X millions of pounds out of the yep. marketing budget. It was actually about um, developing brilliant relationships with our suppliers and, and having yeah. them you know wanting to work with us and being you know using the values of mars to yep. like mutuality uh, and you know i was never i mean we, we were commercial um but it wasn't about um taking the most amount of cost out of your customers yes it was very win-win yeah yeah because uh, that, that's short term because ultimately if you screw your suppliers then they they'll either go bust or they'll stop supplying you, or they'll kind of resent you. They say, okay, well, okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm supplying Chris's picture frame business, but bloody hell, they do, they do screw us. So, yeah. you know, when, when something's going tough, then it'll be well, like, well, sort of, you know, they've messed up. We're not gonna, why would we bother kind of bending over backwards? Because they get screw us all the time. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's Marks and Spencers were a business who were fantastic at supplier. I can't comment on on current days, but certainly back historically, that was one of their big things. And I I, I had the honour of being in the House of Lords the other day with a, a lord who was a former managing director of MS. And he was reminding me just the lengths they went to to make sure they 
they worked and supported the suppliers because it's a great investment in your long-term strategy, just like investing in your people, investing in your customers, investing in the community, the, the B Corp piece. Yes, yes, Ab- absolutely. I, I liked um, you know, just going, going back to you know, some, some companies, and Mars is one of them, where, where people have a budget to spend on their own development. Yep. Uh, you know, which is great, isn't it? Rather yep. than some companies where you've got to go through hoops to try and get some money to go on a course. Yes, um, yes. You, know, and you take some responsibility for that yourself. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I've just realised we've only got, it's been so great this interview, we've only, mm-hmm. got, we've only got three minutes left, which means we've got about a minute and a half to two minutes to the most to wrap up. So have you got a final message you'd like to leave us with? My final message is is... The world needs heart-centered organizations. Um, and I believe that it is the answer to all the crises and problems we have in the world. Because I don't think you can continue to thrash the planet and do some of the things that the more aggressive um, organizations in, in planetary damage. I don't think you can do that with an open heart. Um, the inequality crisis, I don't think you can sit there and, and perpetuate inequality if you have an open heart. Um, you know, the, the, all the challenges we have in the world, I believe that with an open heart, they can be addressed. So I think we need more open hearts in life, in business, in charities, in social enterprises, in families. I mean, everything in the book we use at home. Um, yeah, so we just need more open heartedness all around. And it's the exact opposite of what you see in so much political leadership. Um, around the world, yeah. in the sort of the sort of Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, Erdogan, you know those sort of leaders, versus you know uh, Jacinta Ardern, for example, in New Zealand. And funny enough, the exception is a woman, and the others are blokes. So I think there's there's something about you know we all have masculine and feminine energy in us, and it's the more feminine characteristics of empathy and vulnerability are we need more of in, 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 in the world. And we need more women leaders too. I agree. I agree. Been absolutely brilliant, Andrew. I've loved talking to you today. Um, you're the first open heart surgeon we've... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you don't do that in, in your spare time as well. But um, been absolutely brilliant. I'm putting more heart into the biz, back into business. And if you want to find out more about um, Andrew's work, um, heartinbusiness.org. And um, by putting the heart into business from... Well, you know, a good online book seller because it's um, it, it's important. It really is, and I think it's a key uh, to um, to success going going forward and, and solving many of the world's problems. Next week's show, um, we have another great um, guest, um, a great friend of mine, Jane Hansom. We're talking about one step at a time. She's a former triathlon Ironman world champion. Uh, she's a board director of the Professional Triathletes Association, and they're turning triathlon into a global. And, and very commercial, but um, but also a sustainable phenomenon. Um, it's going to be great next week. Um, I love Jane. We'll, we'll talk about her amazing career and the the challenges um, she's had, which have led to a, a wonderful blend of uh, fascinating work linked to her passion. So I'll be back with you next week with Jane Hansom. In the meantime, uh, Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Any questions and comments? Have an amazing uh, uh, week. Uh, and put the heart back into business wherever you can. Appreciate people, be vulnerable, and uh, do the right thing. Take care.
We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.